The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Wednesday, July 6th, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching live on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. And so we're coming off of a holiday weekend. I hope everybody enjoyed it. We actually haven't had an episode since USC and UCLA announced a move from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. But we're here now, and the latest development, it appears, is that our colleague Dennis Dodd has reported that the Big 12... Uh, recognizing the instability of the Pac-12, smelling blood in the water, is trying to lure at least four, possibly six, Pac-12 schools to join uh, the Big 12. Simply put, the Big Ten and the SEC are about to be a a power two. The ACC seems vulnerable on some level, and the Pac-12 appears to be maybe, just maybe, on life support. Make sense of it, Deadleg. It's been 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 a wild few days in conference realignment news. We got a lot to get to. Great to be back. Did take a little vacation last week. And I took like a 10-day respite. True social media blackout with the exception of the like nine minutes I hopped on when this all happened. Because just real quick, rewind all the way to last Thursday. Take my oldest son to his first movie experience ever. We saw the Lightyear movie. Within five minutes of that movie starting, I get a text from someone, a source saying, hey, USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. Seems like something's brewing there, but it might be fishy. I was like, all right, I'm on vacation, but I'll make a couple calls after this movie ends. 20 minutes later, the same source texted me. John Wilner's tweet. Wilner, wonderful reporter out West, was the one who, I guess, broke this story. Uh, Apparently, there was no indication of it prior to that. Um, But man, oh, man. Yeah, so here we are finally getting to talk about this. And everything that Dodd has reported subsequent to all of that, tons of noise, instability. Um, let's take this piece by piece. I, I know that people have wanted to hear our reactions to all of this as well. Um, USC and UCLA, let's just touch on that real quick, GP, before we get to what Dodd's reporting, because there's a lot of meat on that bone that I want to get to as well. Um, there, was, I got no indication that this was coming, but in talking to, I don't know, half dozen people that I talked to on Thursday and Friday after and amid all this was happening, it didn't seem to land with the same kind of, you know, brace yourself shock that Texas and Oklahoma did. But at the same time, I did have one person tell me, you know, think about when we went back to realignment a decade ago. And, and the idea that you would ever have USC and UCLA leaving to join the Big Ten was like truly unthinkable. Like even though the, our geographic norms and our expectations of what a conference could or should be really got broken away literally when 
Rutgers and Maryland joined the Big Ten, and we saw everything that happened with all that. The idea that you would have a conference based on the West, or programs based on the West Coast joining a conference in the middle of the country uh, really seemed completely illogical, and it's really one of the biggest reasons why Gonzaga has never joined the Big East at this point, has been the geographic part of this. And yet here we are. Um, I just kind of want your your thoughts on it. I, I We both understand and we can explain for the audience, although our audience is intelligent, they get why this is happening. It's purely happening because of money. It's purely happening because television networks are largely dictating this because of media packages that will pay out conferences and then filter down the schools literally in the tens and tens and tens and tens of millions on an annual basis. That's why this is happening. I happen to think it sucks, but I get why it's happening. I just wanted, you know, a chance to, uh, for you to address here at least a little bit. I'm sure you have on your radio show, but for our pod audience, how this just all lands for you, this idea that we are potentially forming a top two, a power two, you know, and then everyone else in, in the college sports landscape to me, even though it's reality and it's in, and it's imminent GP doesn't mean it's, it's a good thing. And I don't even know if it's something that a lot of fans even necessarily like it's, I don't think you could intelligently argue it's good for college sports or good for consumers of college sports. But what it's good for um, uh, is is the uh, athletic department budgets of the schools that are either going to be in the Big Ten or the SEC. And so I think at this point, with Notre Dame being a possible exception, if you're not in the Big Ten or the SEC, you're trying to get to the Big Ten or the SEC. Um, it, it not only appears that we're headed toward a power two, um, like I, I think it's undeniable at this point that we're headed toward a power two. Uh, right now, the SEC is slotted to have 16 once it adds Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, the Big Ten also 16 once it adds USC and UCLA. And the reason they go out and grab the Big Ten, UCLA, and USC despite it making no geographical sense whatsoever, is because USC is a massive football brand in the second largest media market in the country, and UCLA is a big brand in the second largest media market in the country. So you get them, you add value, and not only that, you kill the Pac-12. Like, the media rights that are coming up, like for bidding, I know you know yeah. this, but it's the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And by taking the Pac-12's two most important schools, you there's a scenario where if you are a media entity, CBS, ESPN, Fox, NBC, uh, Amazon, Amazon. It, it, App, Apple, it doesn't matter. Two weeks ago, you were looking at this like, okay, sure, we'd rather have the Big Ten than the Pac-12, but like, you know, the Pac-12 would be good too. You know, we, we, you know, if you can't get the Big Ten, you take the Pac-12. Now the Big Ten says, well, we're going to take the two most important Pac-12 schools. So now we're better than you thought we were going to be, and they're not, they're not important anymore. They might not exist in six months. So it, it really now, if all of these entities were getting ready to bid on two Power Five leagues, in reality. Now it's just there's one that matters and there's one that doesn't. So it it should benefit the Big Ten in a, in, uh, in in some obvious ways. So now we're going to have the the uh, a supersized and awesome Big Ten, a supersized and awesome SEC, and there's a scenario where, and this is Dodd's latest reporting, where the Pac-12 doesn't even exist, um, according to Dodd. 
the Big 12 is in deep, quote, deep discussions with mm-hmm. Arizona, Arizona State, um, Colorado, and Utah, and would obviously be interested in Washington and Oregon as well. But there's some thought that Washington and Oregon might be Big Ten targets. And if you are a Big Ten target or even a potential Big Ten target, there's no way you're joining the Big 12, um, you know, until you know for sure the Big Ten is not an option. So right now, and the Big 12 understands that. So right now, according to Dodd, they're focused on Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. And if you can get them, it really puts the Pac-12 in a situation where they're going to have a hard time surviving. At that point, I think it really does come down to, does the Big Ten you know, put the final bullet in your head by taking Washington, Oregon, and or Stanford? Or can you hold it together without, in theory, USC, UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State, um, uh, Colorado, and Utah, and go out and get a San Diego State, a Boise State, and whatever you have to, do, whatever you have to do to to keep some sort of league together. But uh, the Pac-12 is 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 very much uh, on the ropes right now, um, and, and it's why, honestly, if I were the Pac-12 commissioner, you know what I'd be doing right now? I'd get on the phone with the Big 12 commissioner, and I'd say, "Hey, uh, appreciate the backstabbing, but um, all that aside, it's pretty clear none of our remaining schools are loyal." to us let me back up for a second first because i I think some people might be wondering why would why is the big 12 in uh, a position of aggression as opposed to the pac-12 why didn't the pac-12 just go try to get the big 12 schools as opposed to the big 12 trying to get the pac-12 schools what's interesting about this is that what makes the pac-12 more vulnerable than the big 12 right now is that the pac-12 actually has schools that the big 10 and or sec might want the Big 12 doesn't. They don't have the Big 12 has no schools that the Big 10 wants or the SEC wants. So what the Big 12 can tell, say Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, right now is more or less like, uh, look, our league is stable because the Big 12 and SEC they don't want any more of our schools, but they might want Washington, they might want Oregon, they might want Stanford. So if you stay there and we move on, and then say the Big 10 takes Washington, Oregon, and or Stanford. Uh, you're going to be in a greatly diminished league and possibly in no league at all. And so with that pitch, there's some thought that Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah might really jump to the Big 12. Uh, Then, of course, you've got Washington, Oregon, Stanford. You know, they could all theoretically land in the Big 10. And just like that, Cal, Washington State, Oregon State, they don't have a home. Welcome to the Mountain West. Um, So Mm -hmm. if I'm the Pac-12 commissioner, what I'm doing right now, and and then I'll I'll stop and and because uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. If I'm the Pac-12 commissioner right now, I'm on the phone with the Big 12 commissioner, and I'm saying, hey, listen, um, none of our current members, our remaining members, are loyal to us. They're all trying to leave. They would all leave if they could. So why do we have to be loyal to them? Why don't we um, put our heads together, pick our most valuable 16 schools, and start a new league? And leave our least valuable schools for, for somebody else. If you if you do that, then the Big 12 dies as we know it. The Pac-12 dies as we know it. You start a new league, call it the Big 16 or whatever you want to call it. Doesn't matter to me. And it could be something like Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, Colorado, Oregon, Stanford, Utah, Washington, Baylor, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, UCF. Like rather than we try to kill each other or you kill us, wouldn't we both be better off? 
if we put our heads together, took take our, our most valuable 16, leave the others to the side, and build a brand new league that is called neither the Pac-12 or the Big 12. Um, if I'm the Pac-12 commissioner, that's what I'm trying to do right now because otherwise you're really at risk of not having a league in a year. Yeah, well, there's okay, man, there's just so much happening at the moment here uh, with all this. Um, yes, that would be a prudent thing for George Kliakoff to be doing the Pac-12 commissioner right now. Also, as Dodd reported late on Tuesday night, ACC Pac-12 discussed, quote, loose par- partnership, and quote, that could include, quote, championship game, and quote, in Las Vegas. When was the last time you were in a loose partnership and it wound up good? Loose partnership. Don't know about that one. Doesn't seem like yeah. something that could end well. Loose partnership. I'm going to read Dodd's first three graphs here off the CBS Sports. Again, this is his second report from Tuesday. Shouts to the Dodd father on this. The ACC and Pac-12 have discussed what has been termed a, quote, Loose partnership, end quote, that could end the season with conferences playing a, quote, championship game, end quote. In Las Vegas, sources confirmed to CBS Sports, the concept believed to have been proposed by the ACC, not the Pac-12, the ACC, is seen as a way for conferences' common rights holder, ESPN, to increase value of their current media rights contracts. Interjection for me, again, it's all about the TV networks and them driving the money in this whole deal. Continue with Dodd's story. It's not likely this proposal would have much impact considering ESPN has cost certainty with the ACC in a contract. This is actually a very important part. Not that contracts can't be broken. The ACC deal goes through 2036. Will the Big Ten even exist in 2036? That's half joking, half serious. Story continues. The Pac-12 is trying to survive after the loss of UCLA, USC and UCLA to the Big Ten in 2024. Rights for Pac-12 teams without the California powers are now worth about $30 million annually, down from approximately $42 million per program with the Trojans and the Bruins in the fold. Also, context with all this. Ben Bolts of the LA Times reported, and this is of no surprise, but you know, we have it, you know, for the record here through his reporting, you know, UCLA made this decision because it was going to have to cut a ton of sports, Olympic sports, given the current economic climate with that university and the Pac-12's deal. And now because it's going to go to the Big Ten, you UCLA is not going to have to, you know, have off four, six, eight Olympic sports, it'll actually be able to maintain having a full athletic department because it's going to be making upward of $67 million annually per the latest estimates. The Big Ten has obviously not announced its new television deal. I've been told that will be pushed back even further now with all of this. So you say Big 12, Pac-12, do what you can do, get the 16-team league together, come together, have the other ones go to the Mountain West or whatever. That's certainly something. There's also an idea is the Pac-12 trying to somehow salvage the site. Not that it would make it better but make it more stable maybe you know you get san diego state you need, you need another california team san diego state's obviously the only uh, candidate that could possibly under be under consideration boise state's the best program brings the most value to the mountain west um i mean unlv be, unlv is the other one would they go they've resisted gonzaga forever would you bring gonzaga in for basketball to try and help that i don't i don't know and nobody knows the back 12 trying to figure this out they announced on tuesday that you know they they convened and now can immediately start seeking formally like they're on you know the powers that be are on phone calls they were on yesterday they are today the rest of the week with tv network executives to try and get an idea of all right we have these 10 teams in our league for now we have these 10 teams in our league 
If we got these two teams and became a 12-team league, what would you think? If we got these four teams and became a 14 or a 16-team league, if we merged, what would they... The, all of those what-if scenarios are happening in private conversations right now between Klyevkov and everyone you know, high up in the Pac-12, uh, select university presidents that are still there in the Pac-12, which is you know going to be uh, downgraded significantly not having USC and UCLA with all this. I do want to just say this, okay? I accept this reality, Parrish. I accept it. I do accept it. I don't like it, but I accept it. But we can also address the real fact that college sports, basketball, and football, the revenue-producing sports here, so much of what built up college sports to be an amazing thing, literally for decades, was the fact that it was a it was a, a quilt with a lot of different fabrics across the country, okay? And you the things that brought people together with this were regional and it was a re- it was it was regional patchwork that made for a nice national landscape and that's really what you know why conferences were born out in close proximity 80 years ago i get it it's not even 15 years ago i get all that but i do believe on some level college sports 5 10 years from now whatever the hell it looks like and if i i'm not going to like you got a lot of people out there like proclaiming we're going to look up and it's going to be a 50-team mini-NFL. Maybe it will, but no one actually knows if that's going to be what actually happens here. There's been a lot of you know conjecture over the past 10 years about what college sports would be, and we're still not there yet. So we'll see on that. But I do think a lot of the things that brought people into college sports and made them appreciate it, which is so much of not just where you went to school or the school that you root for, but familiar friends, familiar foes, the villains you grow to love, and having proximity to them, playing them annually or twice in a season if it's basketball. Those things are being torn away and getting swapped out for schools. You know, great that USC in football is going to maybe go and play Minnesota at Minnesota once every six years. What the hell does that even mean? So you are going to be taking away all in the name of conferences getting more money. What do fans get out of this? You know, in football specifically, Be careful what you wish for. I've mentioned this at least a half dozen times on the podcast. Go and look. Maybe I'll finally, once and for all, you know, put this to paper and lay it out for everyone. Go look at every single power conference school, basically since Boston College bolted on the Big East for the ACC. Go look at what they did in the two primary revenue-producing sports, in football and in men's basketball. Go look at every single school that went for the greener pasture really just for the green for the chasing of the money how much better is that athletic department are those programs have they been since that happened almost none of them now we've gotten to a point here where there are so many that the odds will just give way to another two or three maybe being in a better situation but really there's it's almost nobody and i mean almost nobody texas saying i'm in a better spot missouri colorado maryland bc rutgers miami Pitt, West Virginia, I can keep going down the list. All of these schools, great, you got more money to build larger facilities. But what are you doing for your fan base? You know what fans want? They want their programs to be relevant and competing for conference championships and going deep into the postseason, be it in basketball, men's or women's football, obviously. And I know that uh, you know sports such as baseball, they are growing more in part thanks to social media. And that's a great thing. But are you even getting there? You're getting these 16-team conferences as multiple people, conference commissioners have told me in recent in recent days, like these are, ba- once you're at 16, it 
barely re- resembles a conference. Barely. Once you get to 20, you're not even in a conference. Call it something else altogether. The more teams, the harder, harder it is to filter through the top. And ultimately, I think the less rewarding it is for your fan base. So, yeah, we can talk about, and I still want to talk about more of what Dodd's got going here, but this chase for TV money, I, I understand it. But I do think you are alienating a certain populace here of your fan base and you are tearing away and removing something that you will never get back that brought people or at least kept them there in the first place. And now you are bringing a certain homogeny to college sports that's separated from professionals like me personally. I'm wired maybe a little bit different than a lot of people. I love college basketball. I'm just okay with the NBA. I love the NFL. I'm just okay with college football. But a lot of people, they specifically love college sports, football, men's and women's basketball, and don't go to the professionals for a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons why are going to be taken away with this new you know, format and structure, this idea that there's going to be a power to. The more and more we get through this, GP, the more I just think, and maybe we will get there eventually. I don't know, but like football needs to be operating on its in a different universe. It it it, it already won the court case in '84 to separate from the NCAA and doing what it's doing with its own bowl system and championships. It is even like the difference between how football operates. And then you think, like, what's the closest thing? It's men's basketball, probably. Like, men's basketball is closer to every other NCAA sanctioned sport than how football does it, just in terms of pure scholarship numbers and everything. And this is an opinion backed up by a lot of people in college sports, but the powers that be cannot quite yet bring themselves to truly separate this because in a philosophical sense, you are at that point, athletic directors, presidents, people in power, board of directors, you are actually, you would formally tear away and truly sever and separate and saying, this is professional football with, uh, you know, an endorsement and a sponsorship with the university name attached to it. I think that's where they should go, but they can't quite do it yet. And so what's the consequence to all this is you've got all these other sports being pulled into this situation that don't make a ton of sense. All the, you know, the fact that UCLA is going to travel to play Penn State in men's soccer is completely ridiculous, but that's where we are. And apologies for the rant, but I at least wanted to address that part. Like, there's a real part of the soul of college sports, college football, college basketball that I think is getting withered away with all this stuff. And just because it's reality doesn't mean that it doesn't suck big time. I think you're going to have a lot of buyer's remorse um, over, you know, over the next 10, 20, 30 years where schools go, okay, we got more money and we built nicer things but we didn't win as much. We didn't hang as many banners, you know, you, you and you touched, you, you got it right. I mean, uh, having a $45 million practice facility is awesome, I guess, but fans are never there. You know, it, it, fans don't get any sort of joy from your incredible practice facility. You know what fans get joy from walking out of an arena or a stadium after a win over a rival. That's that's what makes fans feel great. And obtaining that feeling gets harder for everybody the larger these conferences get. In other words, USC is so clearly the best football program in the Pac-12. If run properly, they should win that league more often than not. And considering now they've got one of the great coaches in college football, they were set to win that league more often than not. 
Now they're going to be in a league with US, uh, with uh, Ohio State, with Penn State, with Michigan. Winning will be harder. Not impossible. They might end up being the best in that league too. But winning becomes difficult. Oklahoma, with Lincoln Riley, was going to the playoff not every year, but it sure felt like it. Call it, now two, getting, call it two out of three. Yeah. yeah. Now getting to that place is going to be more difficult because you're not just competing with Texas and Baylor and the other Big 12. Now you're competing with Alabama and LSU and Florida and Tennessee and Texas a It gets more difficult. And so I think you will get to a point, and I'm confident we're already there with some of the other schools that you noted that have made these moves. You, we will get to a point with some of these schools where they go, yes, we chased the money, but it, it, it was at the expense of the things that actually make college athletics fun for our alums, for our fans. And that is playing rivals that we've competed with forever and winning. That is now the, the, the rivals we competed with forever. That that's, that's gone for a lot of these schools and the winning is going to be much more, much more difficult. Um, I mentioned at the top that the AC that it feels like the Big Ten and SEC are going to be supersized, awesome leagues, a, a power to that is just a level above everything else happening in college athletics. Uh, that the Pac-12 is on the ropes, um, and the ACC seems vulnerable. And somebody in the comments said, "How is the ACC vulnerable?" Well, the ACC is vulnerable for the same reason the Pac-12 is vulnerable because they have programs that either the SEC or Big Ten would want, like Clemson, like Florida State, maybe Miami, North Carolina. And if you're taking North Carolina, maybe you take Duke as well. And I know somebody is going, yeah, but what about grant of rights? I heard about grant of rights with the ACC. Doesn't that keep them all locked together? No. Andy Staples had a nice piece on this um, uh, for The Athletic in recent days. Yes, the grant of rights is a real thing. It's not something that can't be challenged. And it's not something that can't be negotiated. And the money is so um, disproportionate from what you could potentially get in the Big Ten or the SEC as opposed to what you will get in the ACC that even if the penalty to go is negotiated out at like $100 million or $200 million or $300 million, it's still worth going. Like I know this sounds crazy. If you ever read a story that said Clemson would have to pay – $200 million to leave the ACC. Like you go, well, I, I guess they can't do that. But guess what? They absolutely could. Like ACC schools are getting somewhere between 35 and 40 million annually from their media rights deal. If Clemson were to go to the SEC, that number probably exceeds $100 million annually. So think about this on a, on a normal person uh, scale. Let's say you're making $35,000 a year at your job and somebody says, um, I can get you a hundred thousand dollar a year job, but it's going to cost you two hundred thousand dollars to accept that job. Well, that's a big number to pay, but it's just a math problem. <laughs> you know, you, you you pay off that two hundred thousand dollars pretty quickly, and then you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year instead of thirty five thousand dollars a year. And so, um, certainly, the grant of rights that the ACC schools agree to makes it more complicated probably costly than it otherwise would be, but it doesn't make it impossible. And that's why there's a scenario where 
you end up with Clemson, Florida State, Miami, some combination of those, or perhaps all three, maybe joining the SEC someday. And, you know, you could see North Carolina and Duke also going as a package on some level to to eat. They make sense for either one, the SEC or the Big Ten. North Carolina is a massive brand. Um, uh, you know, uh, it, it's an incredible academic school that matters to the Big Ten. And from the SEC perspective, you could add this massive brand that's North Carolina, and then you might go, but why take Duke? Basketball doesn't matter. In all of this realignment stuff, it doesn't appear anybody would want Kansas. Basketball doesn't matter. Well, I think Duke is the one brand that might actually matter. And, you know, it, it, if there's, if if there's the, one rivalry that's going to survive any of this, it's that one. If there's right. one. So if you're I the mean, SEC. Even the biggest cynic, GP. Not that it can't happen. I'm never going to say nothing can happen. But if there's one. If there's there's two, really. Auburn, Bama, Carolina, Duke. Really. Yeah. So if you're the SEC. Is it so bad to take the big brand that is North Carolina? And yeah, we'll take Duke too because, hey, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, we're throwing you a bone. We're bringing in a Duke football program that you can get a win every once in a while. Like it's okay to bring in a football program that's a big brand, Duke, and and, and also like very beatable. Like it's the T Rex and the goat from Jurassic Park. Duke basketball is the T Rex in hoops, and in football, Duke is the goat. And then the actual goat that gets eaten in the movie. Yes. There you go. Right. So that, that, that that's actually um, uh, attractive, I would think, from a membership perspective. And then, you know, I know basketball doesn't matter, but you get to basketball season and you've got Kentucky, Duke, and North Carolina all in the same league playing twice a year. Um, like there's some value to that. I know basketball doesn't matter, but there's some value to that. I mean, there's a scenario where I could see um, quite easily, the ACC losing, let's just say for the sake of the conversation, Clemson, Florida State, Duke, North Carolina. And also Notre Dame takes all of its sports, everything, football and everything else to the Big Ten. Which, by the way, is among the reasons Stanford might be on the Big Ten's radar. Because if you're trying to learn Notre Dame, hey, I know you value your football independence, but hey, one of your football rivals is Stanford. We're bringing them for you, another great academic institution. So let's say Notre Dame takes everything to the Big Ten, Clemson, Florida State, ACC, Duke, North Carolina to either the Big Ten or the SEC. And now you've got a 10-team ACC, Miami, Wake Forest, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Boston College, Louisville, Pitt, Georgia Tech, NC State. At that point, they're probably trying to add, is Kansas available? Is Kansas State available? Is Iowa State available? Is Memphis available? Um, Memphis you know, is always available. Memphis is always available. Memphis will go anywhere. <laughs> you, you, you can have Memphis whenever you want them. <laughs> so, so, and, and, and you know, I talked about this on radio because of where I live. You know, Memphis has been in a league before with Louisville, with Virginia Tech, with Georgia Tech. So, if the what ACC was got, what was it? I was raised on the Metro. Right. I was raised on the Metro, and so I don't know. Like, there's. There's a million different ways this thing could go. I think we've made that pretty clear. But I, it seems certain at this point. I think two things seem certain at this point. One, the Big Ten and SEC are going to be on a level by themselves. And two, all five Power Five leagues are not going to survive. I think you're going to see a supersized and awesome SEC, a supersized and awesome Big Ten, 
and then either the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or some combination of the two survives, and then you've got a diminished ACC. I think that's what college sports looks like, say, in five years. Okay. A um, few things before we move on. <sighs> uh, yeah, the term Power 5 needs to just be done with. We're done. Um, I'm not convinced that one of these five big leagues will fold. I'm not convinced yet of that. Um, I get the impression. Now, the Big Ten wants Notre Dame. Everyone knows that. It's a matter of like Notre Dame still values its independence. And can the Big Ten actually convince the Notre Dame, which has relationships in every sport except football for the most part with the ACC, get out of there, come over to the Big Ten. Then you, I actually think that your proposed idea, which I guarantee you Big Ten people have thought about and pitched Notre Dame on. If we get Notre Dame, 17 is not a number. Let's go to 18. Let's get Stanford in. I also will say if USC and UCLA wanted any Pac-12 teams to come with them, they would have had them come along. The rest of the Pac-12 was blindsided by this. Didn't know this was happening. They would have called Cal and Stanford on this. They didn't. So I feel like, again, barring Notre Dame, which, you know, has an NBC contract, and that one is up in a couple of years as well. And if they want to see if they – I don't know. I don't know on that. But I will not be surprised. In fact, I would lean more yes than no on this, parish that – the SEC and the Big Ten will stay at 16. Because again, you do, you actually do, unless you are going to completely redefine and alter the paradigm of what it means to be in a college quote unquote conference. Once you get beyond 16, what are you even doing? Like from a scheduling standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, you're not a conference. Like you're you're something that transcends that. And there are diminishing returns. You still gotta you gotta pay all these schools. How much more money in a TV deal, a grant of rights deal, a media deal that continues to evolve? Oh, by the way, remember 10 years ago, all this stuff was happening with the idea that these schools had value on cable. That's not a reality anymore. It is a streaming world. Cable companies still do exist. Major television networks are still going to pay money. But even in the the way that people will consume and the way that sports will be distributed on media platforms in 2027 compared to 2022 will be greatly different. So always keep that in mind. That said, I'll say the Big Ten sticks at 16, the SEC sticks at 16, and then let's just close shop here on this for now because we're going to have plenty more to talk about because there is just so much noise and so many moving parts and nobody knows anything behind the scenes about where we're going, but let's just talk about the Dodd report. And let's just, I feel like if the big 12 can do this and get the zone of schools and get, wow, Colorado and the big 12, that's amazing. They should have done that before. And Utah, you bring in Utah. Oh, by the way, BYU is there. You bring in a rival. I don't know, man. That's that's pretty damn close to the SEC and the, and the Big Ten to me. If the Big 12 actually, which was on the verge of outright dissolution a number of years ago, if you bring in those, you bring in Denver, Salt Lake City, Arizona, which has, you know, skyrocketed in terms of population growth. It's like been a top three state in the country in the past 20 years. It's not quite Big Ten SEC, but that 16-team league, it would also, by nature of its volume, if it had 16 teams, it would be considered right alongside of those three. And you'd have three leagues of 16 teams apiece. That's 48 teams overall. Do you think they will do it? Yes or no? And then you got Washington, Oregon. They're, they're weird. I don't they're They're talking with them, too. Maybe the Big 12 really does this and goes to 18. And, and, and really, if they did that, oh, 
Um, but do you think it's going to happen? Yes or no? Yes, I think I think the Big Twelve. I think the Big Twelve is either going to take Pac twelve schools or the or Big Twelve and Pac twelve is going to merge together. I don't think they're both going to sit still. I mean, evidence being that they're in deep discussion. Like this happened last week, blindsided the sports world, and they're already in deep discussions. Quote deep discussions with Arizona, Arizona State. Colorado and Utah. And now the Pac-12 is trying to, they like said, hey, we're negotiating our new media deal right now. They're like trying to get something new locked in. And I guarantee you, there's no scenario where um, some of these Pac-12 schools are going to sign anything tying them to the Pac-12 right now because they don't know what direction this is going. Like if you're Arizona, you're like, I'm not about to commit to being in this league if, if Oregon and Washington and maybe Stanford are about to leave. And the Big 12 saying, just come with us. We're stable. We know who we are. The SEC doesn't – the Big 10 might want at least three of your schools. They don't want any of ours. SEC doesn't want any of ours. We know who we are. We 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 will have strength in numbers and we'll be a stable environment. And I would push back on you um, on, on your – uh, suggestion that that would be pretty close to the SEC and the Big Ten. It would be a fun league. You and I would love it from a value perspective. Nowhere close to the great SEC. Hoops, yeah, great hoops league and, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be great. Like, look, listen. We we talk about it every day. But it, in terms of value, there is nothing that's going to touch the SEC and Big Ten going forward. And I I think that that's why the SEC and Big Ten they might stop at sixteen. You might be right about that, but. Um, I had not, someone tell me the Big Ten I, is not actively pursuing adding any more teams other than Notre Dame, and that person would I would qualify them as intelligently involved in the ongoing of college athletics. Not to say it can't happen, but they they harped on Parrish. If USC and UCLA wanted Washington and Oregon, they would have gone. They would have alerted them because there's no way they wouldn't have gone with them. So because that because of that, not that the Big Ten can't change its mind in six months, of course it can, but the fact that they're not there now. I don't know. To me, those are the two most intriguing schools, the whole deal, because you also got to remember, and I know you know this, but again, when I say this, it's more for the the fans that might not be thinking about that. Like the Pac-12 has such, and I'm not saying this as a derogatory thing, but it's just reality. The Pac-12 has such an elitist mindset when it comes to their universities. They are all, you know, top, for the most part, top 30 universities nationally and Washington and Oregon and uh, really Washington, Cal, Stanford, they don't want to go to the Big 12. They don't want to go to a league that has uh, that there's there's this profile of their schools is not in line with the philosophies of all this stuff. The question becomes, does the TV money and does the sports win out over what happens, uh, you know, on the on the school's big governing boards? I don't know. But that's another tug and pull in this. And you are dead on with all this stuff like the Pac-12 is is, is it's it's got two tug of wars going on right now, my man. It's got like this loose, what was it? Loose partnership? Right. Loose partnership with the ACC and, and, and a title game in Vegas. What are we, like, seriously, what are we doing here? And then it's trying to keep all of its other 10 together, knowing that at least six of its schools are talking with maybe going to the Big 12. I asked you, I should put myself on the stand here as well. Um, I'll 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 say they don't go. I I'm not confident in that. It's a 51-49. I'll say somehow George Klievkov pulls this off and the Pac-10 stays together and potentially ropes in maybe Boise State, San Diego State. I'm not saying it's like upgrading at mass. So I will say that they win out. But I'm not confident in it. But I, I but you're Yeah, you're, yeah, you 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 might be right. I I guess like 
we thought we were in a sort of a stable place, and then the SEC went out and got Oklahoma, Texas. And this is clearly a reaction to that, the Big Ten going and getting UCLA, USC. So what happens if the SEC decides, well, we need to we need to counter that. So let's go get Clemson and Florida State to 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 try to challenge their grant of rights and get them to come with us. And then maybe the Big Ten says, okay, well, we need to counter that. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, it's just one after another, after another, after another. It's just the the, the beast is eating itself at that point, though. Again, circle back. Yeah. I, we got to move yeah. on. But like this I, is not this is not good for the fan experience. I don't think it is. There will be no. Problems, I, but I don't. I actually think the college sports industrial complex is ruining a lot of what brought us to love college sports in the first place. I, I you know I could prove wrong, but I don't know. I, no, I, I just, no. What people get psyched perish over like hell yeah? Are you kidding me? My school's now going to make seventy million. You get none of that money. You're responsible for giving them more money for that. Whatever. I'm no, I I hear you. I, I guess what I would remind you and everybody else is that they don't care about that. Like, it, it, like know. they don't care. Maybe they don't they care. Should. Maybe they should, though. That's the point. I, 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 w- I, I would appreciate if they did, but they so clearly don't. They don't care about the things that you're talking about, like rivalries and smaller leagues that make geographic sense. They don't care about any of that. That like that's that's been clear for a while now. The the one common denominator between literally every decision that's made at the top of college athletics is does it make us more money then let's do it that that's the that's the common thread through all of this stuff does it make us more money then cool let's do it and if i think it's important to always remember that when it comes to any of these things why would they do this thing it's going to destroy this this this, isn't this oh sure but will it make more money well, yeah. Okay. Well, then that's why they're going to do it, and um, that's why I'm not certain that we're, we're we're through. But you know, we've been 40 minutes on this. We'll be able <laughs> we'll we'll be talking about this for years to come, presumably. So for now, at least, let's move on. Tuesday night uh, it was a rough night for the Chet Holmgren's going to be a bus crowd. We'll spend a few minutes on that next. But first, a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. So Tuesday night was a rough night for the Chet Homer. It's going to be a bus crowd. The number two pick, 2022 NBA draft. He took nine shots, made seven of them. Finished with 23.7 rebounds, six blocks, including a two-handed block at the rim, and four assists. He was a team-high plus 26 in 24 minutes. Dead like I know you're not a summer league guy, not a but shot. sure, but surely you you saw the you saw the Twitter buzz last night, right? I did. I did see the Twitter buzz. It's, I'm not really a summer league guy, actually. I I my summer league affiliation is going on the road. Uh, during the July period, actually, the, the the first of two live periods starts uh, today. So coaches will be around the country uh, checking out more prospects in person. Peach Jam will be later this later this summer, uh, later this summer, <laughs> literally this summer, but later this month. And so, uh, you know, games get out, go out to uh, an establishment, get a late ten o'clock dinner, and then Peach or Peach Jam uh, summer league's always on. So that's usually where I get my majority of my summer league intake. <laughs> so Chet Holmgren was awesome. In one game. Now, he was apparently really, really awesome. He was uh, awesome. <laughs> now, I saw it's just, he, he it's saw just, the laugh I know. It's just, it's one, it's just Summer League. It's the first game. It goes a few ways from here, you know? It ultimately, we look up in 20 years and it's like from game one, Zion had this in game one, did he not? His first Summer League game, he was incredible. Well, listen, I. It, it, Chet was awesome. Okay, I like he was. If you watched it, you were like, "My Who God!" Who Who were the other? What was the opposition on the floor? Not that they're not viable NBA players, but I don't even know. What were, who who was on the floor? Who was he doing this against? It doesn't matter. Was Poku out there too? Let me look at. Let me look at the box score. Poku was out there too. By the way, uh, as we talk about this, I'll as JP looks this up. I'll give a shout out to Keontae George Baylor, Big Twelve. The two most recent uh, national champions, though, by the way, Keontae George went for 32. Granted, they lost to Italy in the global jam, uh, but no Flagler, Langston Love, LJ Cryer. They didn't play, but I did want to at least mention the Keontae George look. It was a good Tuesday for buzz for two different kinds of players in two different leagues. And if you're a Baylor fan, you were highly encouraged by Keontae George. And then Chet Holmgren went out, overshadowed all that. Who was he playing? Oh, well, uh, he was playing against a Utah team that had Kofi Coburn, uh, Xavier Sneed, um, Jared Butler. Um, so some some notable players. But like, here's here's what I was going to say. I I know it was just summer league. And the truth is, at least my experience over the years has been. Looking awesome in summer league doesn't really mean anything like Josh Selby was the MVP of summer league like, once upon a time. <laughs> Okay. Oh, you Smith. talking. I'm going to, uh, do you have the list? I want to look it up. Do you have, I'm going to look Some, it up. Go ahead. Look it up. Summer league MVP. Yeah. Looking awesome in summer league doesn't necessarily mean anything. Looking bad in summer league 
that can mean something, especially if you're a non-rookie. Like if you're a second-year guy playing in the summer league and you still look like you don't really belong, that's a that's a massive red flag. Um, I remember, you know, the Grizzlies once upon a time used the second pick on Hashim to beat, and he went to summer league and looked terrible. And that was the first of a million red flags that, oh my God, they might have really, really screwed this up. So looking awesome doesn't guarantee anything, but it's 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 cool when you look awesome and and chet was awesome last night how about this from espn stats and info chet holmgren got 23 points while shooting 78 percent from the field and he's the first player in the history of the summer league Uh, of course to have five blocks and four three-pointers in a summer league game so that's a little bit like what i talked about correct what paris is about to say here is that you didn't see players do this and like seven times this past season it'll be like no one's done this in the past 30 years except Chad holmgren i swear i I said it all season and all throughout the draft process chad holmgren is doing unprecedented things stop obsessing about his body and focus on the fact that you've got a seven foot one dude who is literally doing things that have never been done before. He did it multiple times at Gonzaga, just like Luka Doncic when he was in Europe was doing things that nobody his age had ever done. And people are like, yeah, but I don't know if he's athletic enough. I don't know if he's this enough. I don't know if he's that enough. It's just, okay, fine. But now he's awesome. Clearly redo that draft. He's the number one pick in that draft. I kept saying Chad Holmgren, Focus on the fact that he's doing things that have never been done before. And in literally the first summer, his first game as a professional, he yeah. does something that had never been done before. True. We agree that Put he has the highest upside. You were you were draft night. You said Chet Holmgren should go number one. You're going to get credit yes. for that forever. My big board, I had Chet, I had Chet five. It's just the first summer league game. And we're doing this because of the proximity of the draft. We're not going to lie to you. It's slow as hell. Thank God in some ways USC and UCLA did what they did because this could have been a short podcast otherwise, but it's great to be back on and chatting with you. Okay, I got a couple goodies here. Yeah, I, I, got- I, I want to be, be clear. If Chet Holmgren would have looked bad last night, we would have talked about something else. But since he looked oh, awesome and it, and it backs up what I'd been saying throughout the whole pre-draft process, I, I wanted to spend at least a few minutes on it. He did. Listen, if you're a Thunder fan... No doubt you're you're uh, and I think like I think Paulo is catching strays because of this. Like it's not like don't put this on. <laughs> has Paulo Bencaro even played a summer league game yet? I I literally don't know. I haven't you know seen it. Not I would know, uh, but I literally don't know. I don't think he has, but I don't. Um, I, I know Keegan Murray's been really good. He I did see that Keegan Murray been good. All right. Here are the dudes. Hold on. I'm going to give you your summer league MVP list. But before that, here are the guys who we love remembering guys. We're about to dude. We're about to remember Guys, not a text me. Apollo doesn't play till Friday. All right, here we, Apollo, you can't go out there and be three for 10 from the field. Like, it's not going to be good for you. All right, here's the Jazz Summer League roster. Jared Butler, Bruno Caboclo, yes. international player, Kofi Coburn, Taco Fall, shouts to Taco, was on the floor in that Summer League game. DJ Funderburk, hello, NC State. Caleb Holmesley, straight out of Liberty. Johnny Juzang, Vic Law from Northwestern, Isaiah Miller out of UNC Greensboro, Daryl Morcel, one of the better Big East defenders we've had in recent years, James Palmer Jr. out of Nebraska, Justin Robinson by way of Virginia Tech, you said Xavier Sneed, Jordan Usher, Georgia Tech, which reminds me, don't let me get off this podcast before I ask you guys something about that. Um, and Jonathan Williams from Buffalo. That's the that's the summer league roster. Chet Holmgren would have done this in a college game against these players. All right. Here are your summer league MVPs. 
It goes back to 2006. This is encouraging if Chet Holmgren winds up being Summer League MVP. 2006 on. Here we go. Randy Foy, Nate Robinson, Jared Bayless, eh, Blake Griffin, John Wall, Damian Lillard, Josh Selby. Okay. Jonas Valanciunas. Okay. okay. Glenn Rice Jr. Kyle Anderson. I'd say Kyle. He's probably been what they expected him to be. Tyus Jones, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Clark, Davion Mitchell, and I guess there were co-MVPs last year. Um, Davion Mitchell and Cam Thomas both got it last year. That's actually a relatively encouraging summer league MVP list. There are a couple there. You did mention Josh Selby, which for the listeners, Parrish only knows that as I'm seeing here, he played for Memphis's summer league team. Yes, he led, he led the Grizz to a summer league title. I think the Grizz have multiple summer league titles. You're probably right about that. By the way, for all of us that love to remember dudes, there is no remember some dudes more than looking at a summer league roster. This is incredible. Okay. I have a question for you and Nada, whoever. Because I went, I went all, I was not on Twitter at all for the better part of 10 days, and it was glorious. Let me remind people I've done this in the past after taking vacations. I had no desire, no urge to check it. If you have the means to not use that, please better your mental health. Do it. So because of that, though, I got back on yesterday, and I, I couldn't be more in the dark on something. Just inform me. Why did Brian Windhorst, why is, it, why is everyone sharing? I don't, I don't get it. I swear to God. I know he was like probably talking about Kevin Durant on first take. That's my only. And I heard Brian Windhorst. So why did he become the meme he became? And something with Usher? I have no idea. Intentionally didn't Google this. Okay, are they one in the same or are they two different things altogether? Two different things. I believe okay. the, the New York uh, governor shared a Usher meme and people were just sort of goofing on her like it it uh, looked like an old person trying to be cool okay. type of thing. I think that's the root of that. And um, the Windhorse thing, it was actually hilarious. He was on like First Take or one of those shows, like Get Up or you know one of those ESPN shows. And he did this like two minute thing. You should go watch it. It was incredible television where it's like he's he it's like he knows something, but he won't quite say it. And everybody else on the desk is sort of trying to follow what he's saying. And they're guessing like, so so what is it? He it, I, I, I can't do it justice, but rather it than just like a, an inner monologue that came out on national TV. It, it kind of a, here, here, here's what he was doing. What he was trying to say is Utah's blowing it up. All right. They they just traded Royce O'Neal for a draft pick. And that that suggests they're about to blow this whole thing up. That's what he was saying. But for whatever you reason, Rudy Gobert? Rudy Gobert? No, no, they had traded oh, Royce O'Neal. O'Neal. This is okay. this is before they traded Rudy Gobert. What he was trying to say is Danny Ainge is running Utah just like he ran Boston. He he hired Brad Stevens, a young coach, gave him a long contract, then blew the Celtics up and started a rebuild with a young coach on a long contract. And that's exactly what he's doing right now in Utah. That's what he was trying to say. But for reasons that aren't entirely clear to me, he just wouldn't say it. And so he was just sort of weaving in and out. And it was hilarious because he would be like, um, really strange, strange trade in Utah. And so people around the league are, you know, they're wondering what what's going on in Utah, why would they make that trade? And then he would like pause like this. Why would they make that trade? This is a team that was a playoff team. They've got down. So what really strange. And so why would they do this? And then somebody would go, cause they're trying to clear space for Kevin Durant. No, 
and then he'd pause. And it was just this, and, and he, he would never say what he clearly was thinking and everybody else was just sort of guessing. And it was just two minutes of, it was hilarious. And All it right. got turned, it got turned into a meme that people have shared now. I, I logged on to Twitter Tuesday morning and like every 14th tweet had a Brian Windhorse screen grab. And I had, yeah. there was like, there was no more crystal clear example of how different real life is versus life online than that like i could not have been more, like it was like okay something took over social media I, I couldn't be more in the dark on this so i was like you know what i'm not going to look it up i'm safe for the podcast you can inform me because i had no idea what was happening it, it, it was hilarious he like he just wouldn't say and everybody else was like all right tell us tell us what it means like that's what he's actually there for to tell you what this thing that happened means but he wouldn't do it it was like just keep an eye on utah because it's a really strange thing that's happened there, and people and, and and so so what what that's what people around the league are saying. What's going on in Utah? And so you just see everybody else going. Well, what is going on in Utah? You tell us. That's what that's what you're here for. But he wouldn't do it, and it made for like this incredible television moment. I don't know if it was intentional or just something that happened. Mm. It was if you just watched it live, you, it was it was odd, but it 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 it, it sort of it went from odd to hilarious very quickly Okay, because then people, people were setting it to like, you know, theatrical music. That's what <laughs> like I saw. The, Someone like had a thing where like, I don't even, they, Oh, they like, they turned him into the Bohemian Rhapsody acapella breakdown. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell just happened here? What, it was what, good. what went down? Anyway, it was, it was good. It was good. Well, congrats on getting off social media for a little while. Hey, you're going to go on vacation soon, too, and you need to do this. I mean, it's just I, so free. I, I, I can't just I, tell you how freeing it is just to not have to log on and see any of that stuff. I actually like keeping up with news. I don't I won't I like I will go on vacation next week and I probably won't be tweeting a lot because I just I, I don't I don't participate as much as I used to. I just find the whole thing um, less enjoyable than it used to be. Um but I will still monitor, I think, because I'd like to know, like, where the latest shoot, mass shooting was. You know, I don't yeah. want to be in the dark about about things like that. So I, I use it as a way to to, to keep up with the news. But um, I think your advice is is great advice. I just don't know that I'm capable of completely doing it. Hey, I, uh, as we get out of here, I got great news tonight. Uh, if you're ever I, gonna watch Summer League, tonight's the night to do it. <laughs> Seven o'clock Eastern on ESPN two. Grizzlies and Thunder, which means you get Chet Holmgren and against Kenneth against Kenneth Lofton Jr. Actually, pretty good. Seven foot one, one ninety five. Chet Holmgren against six foot six, two hundred and eighty pound Kenneth Lofton Jr. You talk about body types. You got you got that, that, that that's two different body types on one basketball court. All right, let's get out of here. Shouts to Devin Dowdy. Shouts to Chester Scott, South Carolina. Shouts to Hawk Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, either live or, you know, some point later in the day or the week, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. Uh, we appreciate it. It helps us a lot. You have consent. And if you're not subscribed, go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple. We need five stars. Nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. Needs to be reflected in the comments. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 